Chapter One of the Submarine Boys for the Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Submarine Boys for the Flag by Victor G. Durham. Chapter One. Do you speak German? Hey there, Mister! Called out Jabez Holt from one of the two office windows in the little hotel at Dunhaven. As there was only one other man in the office, that other man guessed that it might be the one he addressed. With a slight German accent, the stranger, who was well-dressed and looked like a prosperous as well as an educated man, turned and demanded, "'You are calling me?' "'I reckon,' nodded Jabez. "'Then my name is Herr Professor.' "'Herr Professor,' repeated Jabez Holt, a bit of astonishment showing in his wrinkled old face. Herr Professor, Barber, eh? Why, I thought you was a traveler. But hurry up over here, do you hear me? My good man, began the German, stiffly drawing himself to his full six-foot-one. It's not often I am affronted by being addressed, so there. They'll be out of sight in another minute while you are arguing about your dignity, muttered Holt. And that's the feller you said you wanted to see, Jack Benson. Benson, cried the German, forgetting his outraged dignity and springing forward. Benson, that's him, almost up to the corner, nodded the landlord, Jabez Holt. Running out and bringing him back with you, directed Herr Professor Radberg. Be quick. Well, I guess you're spry enough, but I'll return old Jabez with a shrewd look at his guest. Besides, it's you that wants the boy. Running back and snatching up his hat, Professor Radberg made for the street without further argument. Moving along hastily, the German soon came in sight of young Captain Jack, Benson of the Pollard Submarine Torpedo Boat Company. Ach, there, Herr Benson, shouted the professor. Hearing the hail, Jack Benson turned and halted. You are Herr Benson, are you not? demanded Professor Radberg, as soon as he got close enough. My name is Benson, nodded Jack pleasantly. Then come back with me to the hotel. You're a foreigner, aren't you? asked Jack, surveying the stranger coolly. I am a German, replied Radberg, in tones of surprise. I thought so, nodded the boy. That is, I don't know from what country you came, but in this country, when we ask a favor of a stranger, we usually say please. I am Herr Professor. Oh, barbers are just as polite as other folks, Jack assured him. His laughing eyes, resting on the somewhat bewildered-looking face of the German. Then please, Herr Benson, come back to the hotel with me. Yes, if it's really necessary, but why do you want to go to the hotel? Because, Herr Benson, when we are there, I shall have much of importance to say to you. Important to me or to you? asked Jack thoughtfully. He had no intentions of answering a much older man disrespectfully, but there was something about Had Ryberg, the air of a man who expected his greatness to be recognized at a glance, and who demands obedience from common people as a right, this sort of thing didn't fit well with the American boy. Oh, it's important to you, and very much so, urged the professor, somewhat more anxiously. Besides, added the German, with a now really engaging smile, I met your demands, Herr Benson, and have said please. And I suppose I'll have to meet your demand, nodded Jack, good-humoredly. Lead the way, sir. Ah, you may walk at my side, permitted the German. It all seemed a bit strange, but Captain Jack Benson had been through most strange experience and had most Americans of thrice his age. Radberg, Jack imagined, 
that he had guessed at least an inkling of the other's business. The German announced himself as a professor. Probably, therefore, he was a scientist. Being a scientist, it's very likely invented or nearly invented something for use in connection with the submarine torpedo boats, and wanted interest the concern by which the young submarine skipper was employed through this guess was a reasonable one. It soon turned out to be the wrong one. The professor's real reason for seeking this interview was one that was bound to take the submarine boy almost off his feet. Readers of the preceding volumes in this series need no introduction to Captain Jack Benson, nor to his chums, Hal Hastings and Epp Summers. Such readers recall, as told in the submarine boys on duty, how Jack and Hal drifted into Dunhaven just at the right moment to fight for an opportunity to work themselves into the submarine boat building business. How the boys helped build the first of the now famous Pollard submarines, and afterwards learn how to man her. It was all told together with all their strange adventures in their new life. In the submarine boys' trial trip was related how Jack Benson solved the problem of leaving a submarine boat when it lay on the ocean's bottom, and also the trick of entering that submerged boat again after diving from the surface of the water. The attempt of shrewd businessmen to secure control of the new submarine boat company also described, together with the manner in which the submarine boys outwitted them, through a successful trial trip, and Captain Jack ingenious ways of rousing public interest. The government was forced to buy the Pollard, as the first of the submarines were named. In the submarine boys in the middies was narrated how the submarine boys secured the prize detail of going to the Naval Academy in Annapolis as temporary instructions in submarine boating. Many startling adventures and some humorous ones were related in that volume. Then in Submarine Boys and the Spies was shown how the young men successfully foiled the efforts of spies of foreign governments to learn the secrets of the Pollard craft. In the Submarine Boys' lightning cruise, the adventures of these clever, enterprising boys were carried further in this book, was told how the boys were trained in handling the actual torpedoes of warfare. The Pollard boats... Benson and Hastings were entered in an official government test in which the submarine craft of several other makes competed. The desperate lengths to which the nearest rival of the Pollards went in order to win were told with startling accuracy. The result of all these tests was that the Pollard Company received from the Navy Department an order of 18 submarine torpedo boats, the Benson and the Hastings being accepted as the first two boats in that order. By the time the present narrative opens, it was near the first of many over at the shipyard where facilities had been greatly increased. Two of the submarines had been lately been finished, and four more were underway in a long construction sheds. Work on the government's order was being rushed as fast as it could be done while keeping up the pallid standards of high-class work. Of late, Jack and his young friends, though their pay went on, had little work to do. Whenever a new boat was completed, it was the task of the submarine boys to take her out to sea and put her through all manner of tests in order to determine her fitness. But there were days and days when the submarine boys had naught to do but enjoy themselves that they fancied. Shall we sit down here? asked Jack, as he and the tall German entered the hotel office. The bees Holt stood behind the desk, bent over the register in which the professor's name had been the only new one in a week. The old landlord pretending to be busy, but he was covertly watching and listening. Sit here, repeated Professor Radberg. Ah, no, come along with me. There was something rather disagreeable commanding in the German's invitation. 
but Jack merely smiled quietly as he followed in the stranger's wake up the stairs. They went to the professor's unlocked the door, admitting himself and his guest to the outer of a suite of two rooms. Once they were inside, Radberg locked the door behind them. Come to the other room, Herr Benson, directed the professor. The door of this inner room, the German also locked, remarking, Now if the man Holt chooses to follow and listen, he can't hear nothing. All this sounds mighty mysterious, laughed Jack Benson good-humoredly. However, the submarine boy went and stood by a chair near the window, and then waited until he saw that the stranger was about to seat himself. Now, asked Jack, stretching his legs, what's the uh, business about? I haven't a whole lot of time today. Listen, and you shall hear as soon as I am ready, came stiffly from the stranger. You are a boy, and I am here, Professor. Oh, you told me all about being a hair professor before, smiled Jack. Now see here, whether you're really a barber or whether you're just an amusing yourself with me, we want to have one thing understood. I came here, sir, as a matter of courtesy to you, and you will have to treat me with just as much courtesy. Otherwise, I shall wish you a good morning. This was said with a flash of the eye, which warned Radberg that, in his rather overbearing way, he was going too far. Oh, my dear young friend, he replied persuasively, you don't understand in Germany. I am, well, perhaps what we call a rather distinguished man. At least my neighbors are good enough to say so. And in Germany, when a Herr Professor talks, others listen respectfully. Just the same with the Herr Professor in this country, chuckled Jack. When an American barber gets wound up and started, all a fellow can do is to listen to him not trying any use to run away from a barber anyway. Guess you got you strapped down to that chair. Barber, repeated Professor Adberg in disgust. I don't understand you. Oh, it isn't necessary, laughed Jack. It's sort of a Yankee joke. And I beg your pardon, Professor. If I am wasting your time, now go ahead, please, and tell me why you invited me here. There was something of salt-water breeziness and crispness about Jack's speech that caused the German's brow to cloud for an instant. Then, after a visible effort to compose himself, Radberg leaned forward to ask, Do you speak German? No, sir, Jack shook his head. Ach, that's too bad, muttered the German, in a voice suggesting severe disapproval of one who hadn't mastered his own native tongue. However, you will still learn. Yes, if there's a big enough prize goes with it, agreed Jack. Prize, repeated Professor Radberg. You will say so. Then leaning forward once more, and speaking in his most impressive voice, Herr Professor Radberg continued, Herr Benson, we are going to take you into the German Navy. The professor now leaned back to watch the effect of his words. Are you going to do it when I'm awake? asked Jack curiously. Nine, I don't understand you. Are you going to take me in by force or wait until you catch me asleep? questioned Captain Jack Benson. Ach, don't be silly, boy. I might say the same to you, Professor, replied Jack Benson, composedly. But we'll let it pass. How are you going to get me into the German Navy? And what are you going to do with me after you get me in there? How? cried Professor Radberg. Why, we're going to pay you a very handsome sum of money, and we're going to give you a most honorable position in our imperial service, and... 
Here Professor Adberg leaned forward once more, lowering his voice considerably. There are three of you boys, all experts at the Pollard works. Well, we're going to take all three of you into the German Navy, and we will do something very handsome for you all. The other fellow will be delighted when I tell him what's coming their way, smiled Captain Jack. Ach, so of course. Now what do you propose to do with this in your Navy, Jack went on? Are you going to make an officer of us? Officers, repeated Herr Professor Radberg slowly. Well, no, Herr Benson, we could not exactly do that. Our officers, as you well understand, very, what is your English word, aristocratic? They could not be quite persuaded to take American commoners as their brothers. That you would not expect, of course. Certainly not, young Benson agreed. If there was a slight tinge of sarcasm in it, it was lost on the German, whose brow cleared as he went on heavily. No, no, my young friend, not officers, but you shall all three have very honorable positions, and handsome sums of money to pay you for entering our service. We in Germany know the rank which you young men have won as submarine experts, and we shall not be niggardly, for we have determined to have you in our service. I feel pardon me, proposed young Benson. There is just one point that has to be overlooked. You tell me that you are authorized to come to Dunhaven, and kidnap my friends and myself, but really, how do I know you have such authority from your own side of the water? Radberg looked a bit puzzled for a moment, and as he seemed to begin to comprehend, she replied heavily, Here, Benson, I have already told you that I am a professor. Now don't hang out that striped pole again, please, urged Jack. His face is sober as that of a judge. Come right down to the points of the compass. How am I to know that you really do represent the German government? Ach, I comprehend, not as German. Of course you will understand that. On an errand of this kind, I do not travel with too many papers. But I shall take you and your two companions on to Washington tomorrow, I think. Tomorrow to do as well as any time, replied Jack, ironically. Yes, I think it will be tomorrow, continued the German. I shall take you to our German embassy, and one of our officials there will prove to you that I have been acting with authority. That'll be right fine of him, agreed Jack placidly. Ach, it is settled then, replied the German, all but dismissing the matter with a wave of his hand. Yet you must bring your two comrades here. They must understand just what is wanted of them. And now, Herr Benson, do you wish to understand that it is to be paid to you to transfer your services? Why, yes, that will be mighty important if we do go under the German flag. If you go, replied the professor, why, that's all settled. Then I must have missed something by not watching you closely enough, murmured Jack. I shall have to sit up straighter and keep my eyes wider open. When was it all settled, sir? Why didn't you not tell me? I haven't had a blessed chance to tell you anything, replied Jack, looking astonished. You've been doing all the telling. But you'll go with me, of course, to Washington, uttered Radberg, looking much taken aback. I doubt it, muttered young Benson, shaking his head. In fact, sir, I might as well tell you that it's waste of our time to carry on this line of talk any further. Your cunning smile, Professor Radberg, no longer nonplussed. That is as it should be, too, because you are a clever young man. Benson. Thousand thanks, murmured Captain Jack. But instead of talk, persuaded the German, you wish to see some money? Quite right, I should. Were I in your place, Herr Benson, well then, ah, look at this. 
Thrusting a fat hand deep into a trousers pocket, Herr Professor Radberg brought up into view a big roll of money. He held this up so that the submarine boy could feast his eyes on it. Jack looked composedly. Did you ever see anything like this? You are such a young boy, smiled the German teasingly. I don't know, really, responded Jack thoughtfully. Thrusting a hand down to his own trouser pocket, young Benson brought up into the light a very comfortable-looking handful of banknotes, rolled and surrounded by a broad elastic band. Let's measure the two, Professor, and see how they compare. Ach, muttered the German, regarding Jack's money with some displeasure. Oh, now, Professor, cried the young submarine captain, reproachfully, I didn't ask you where you got yours. This is all so much foolishness, cried the German professor, returning his money to his pocket. That's what I think, too, agreed Jack, following suit. It's what our English cousins call bad form to go into comparing piles of money. Now sit down, Herr Benson, and I will tell you what a very handsome sum of money and what excellent wages the German government will pay you to enter our imperial naval services. How much money is there in Germany? interrupted the submarine boy thoughtfully. How much in all Germany? demanded the professor. Nine, how should I know? You expect me, of course, to turn my back on this country for good, to tell you Germans whatever I may know about submarine circus, to drill with your navy and be prepared to fight in your navy if war comes. Yes, of course, replied Radberg. Now we are beginning to understand one another. Professor, interrupted Cap Jackman Benson, we've had enough of joking. Joking, I assure you, Professor. Once more broke in the submarine boy. I wouldn't sell out my country flag for all the money you ever saw. For a few moments, the professor's face was a study in consternation. Then he broke forth angrily. You are a fool. I guess so, nodded Jack, without resentment. That's just the kind of fools we Americans are, generally. Herr Radberg was a good enough reader of human faces to realize that at all events, there was no use in continuing the conversation at present. Very good, he growled. You can go. I shall see your friends instead. When you get through with them, tell them they're idiots, grinned Captain Jack Benson. Herod Radberg wasn't a fool. Neither was he a rascal. Expert on offering bribes brought up within the walls of a German university, he would have been willing to lay down his life instantly for the good of the fatherland. Yet he couldn't understand that men of other nations could be just as devoted to their own countries. From Herr Professor Radberg's point of view, Germany was the only country in the world that was fitted to inspire a real and deep sense of patriotism. Oh, no harm done, Professor, said Jack, moving toward the door and turning the key to unlock it. I'm sorry you had all the trouble and expense of coming to Dunhaven on a useless errand. Goodbye. You may go, but you will come back, scowled the other. If not, your comrades will, I hope, prove to be young men of better sense and judgment. Oh, they'll listen to you, smiled Jack. Goodbye. I shall have two of you anyway, were Radberg's last words before the door of the outer room closed, and Jack's footsteps sounded in the corridor. End of chapter one. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan.